Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff with Gyro Nation Metal. Depart from So Much Evil is a fourth full-length album by Missouri-based Gravehuffer, released just last week on the 17th of February through Black Doomer Records. Gravehuffer has honed their sound since 2008, which includes an amalgamation of punk, grindcore, crust, sludge, and doom, though their influences don't stop there. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Richie Randall, the band's guitarist, Mike Dilgey, their bassist, and Travis McKenzie, their vocalist. Gentlemen, it's good to meet you, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, how you doing? Thank you. Thanks for having us, man. No worries. No worries at all, guys. And I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. Basically, I'm going to start by building on a couple of your previous interviews. Uh, you mentioned in a previous interview that it's hard for you to put a finger on your sound as you incorporate so many elements. So in addition to the genres I just listed, you also pull from jazz, avant-garde, I don't even know how to pronounce that, black metal, thrash, and hardcore. Many bands focus on a, only a small list of genres where you guys are basically all over the place and you stated, if it sounds good, we play it. So my question here is, was it difficult to choose what musical direction you wanted to go with? And is this one of the reasons you chose to incorporate so many musical elements? good question uh i think we just didn't hold back was the main reason it came out like it did because uh, when we write we kind of jam while we're writing so we kind of are in the moment and so whatever we allow to stay in and grow is like what it ends up being because we don't like have too many preconceived notions about it you know we don't really have and we kind of just let the song write itself most of the time. Awesome. Like someone will start playing a riff and then they'll be like, I'm hearing something like this. You know, then Richie will start playing stuff and like, so, you know, then he'll take it from there. It's kind of like just passing the torch around. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets their, gets their hands in on the song, you know? So that's probably why it sounds so different. It's like each of us are writing riffs, you know? So it's going to be a little... Um, Make stuff like a jambalaya or a freaking stew. You know? <laughs> right, yeah. It's almost like a big yeah, think tank. Yeah, because it's like, there's no, like, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, I just said it's almost like a big think tank. You kind of, uh, everybody puts in their own piece and kind of whatever sounds good at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, there's no, um, I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> but most of the time, we don't even talk about the music. Yeah, we we're don't. talking about what we're seeing. Yeah. Because most of the time, there's a visual in our head to it. So we're right. like, I see this part going like this, or I see this part slowing down here maybe this is a dude running through the woods he's being chased by this and right yeah, you know, yeah that's usually how the the songs come along but we some of the lyrical concepts are older like the idea like the dante mike's been wanting to do that for a long time and but like yeah the music and the sound is just kind of what we've come up with right right then like something that we'd want to hear ourselves yeah, I think we were we were talking about that like in an interview we just did about we just basically write music that we would like other bands to play, I guess, you know. Um, I feel like a lot of the times if it doesn't if the riff or the idea doesn't excite all of us, then it usually just gets tossed. So, you know, it's got to it's got to like resonate with everybody first. And I heard you say that you kind of you play what you like to hear. And I think that's really important because if you start to play what if you start to play based on what you'd say the polls are, like if people are gravitating towards a certain genre, it kind of loses that um, authenticity. Yeah, that's exactly Sincerity. what I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> Both of those would work perfectly yeah. in this. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You guys clearly have no problem experimenting with your sound. And this is something that can either work really well or end in catastrophe, depending on how it's done. Have you ever felt yeah. that you've experienced the latter, either through fan feedback or listening to your previous albums? 
No, not really. I mean, yeah. um, I mean, we've we've had a few bad reviews here and there. Who um, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Sure, yeah. sure. I mean, not everything's going to resonate with everybody. I mean, that's just everybody. That's why we're people. You know, everybody has different thoughts and ideas and mm-hmm. tastes and, and and all that. You know, but um, yeah, we've we've really. I feel like for the most part, people seem to really enjoy what we do um, that hear it. And then there are some times when people are um, just, they just don't like us for whatever reason, you know, but I mean, it just doesn't matter, but. Um, but people used to give us a lot of trouble mm-hmm. for mixing up so many genres together. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're like, dude, we're not in our twenties. Like we've been doing, we've played all these genres the first time they were cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, no doubt. That's it's already in our in our blood, yeah. you know. So it's it's going to come out. We're not it's going. Oh, I want to write this song and make it sound like this. Or like I said, the songs usually write themselves. Luckily, Honestly, somehow, yeah, know? yeah. It's like like Mike was saying, one of us will. Somebody usually spurs the idea and you know the initial idea, and then we just start kind of building on it from there. And it's like there's not really a primary songwriter. It's it's just all of us. You know, at different points, maybe one of us will take the lead or whatever on a particular song, but um, but typically everybody's got their hands in the pie. And being together for so long, you kind of know how to communicate with each other, and you guys trust each other's direction. Yeah, yeah. Like if those guys, if they say, "Oh, I don't like that riff, Mike," I, I don't. I'll, I'll, that's okay with me. I'll write another one. Right. Yeah. yeah nobody <laughs> Dude, really gets. Just let that one go. Yeah. You know? I mean, I've I've got like a phone full of thrown away riffs <laughs> you know <laughs> i mean it's just like you just keep on plugging away you know and that's either either we all dig it or we don't you know and, mm-hmm. and it's we just don't take that stuff personal i think we're writing what we want to hear exactly yeah you know, you know what i mean mm-hmm. if there's another band that did this i would just be like okay i'm good yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> right yeah well and ultimately it's it's important that you guys keep making music that you want to hear i mean like you guys said music is subjective so some people just aren't going to like it regardless Right. Yeah. I will say, um, when we did the, when we had a vocal change, a vocalist change, um, I feel like that was a pretty positive, um, got a lot of fo- positive feedback from that. Um, nothing against our previous singer, but, um, which is funnily enough is he's Travis is one of his best friends. Oh, cool. Um, well, but at first people were like, good luck. Yeah, like, good that's luck true. finding another singer like that, that. Sounds like him, yeah, because James has a very unique sound. <laughs> I don't hear him yeah. saying that anymore. Right, yeah. I don't, I don't sound like him, but I did yeah. something else with it. So, yeah. yeah, I think Travis has a little bit more in his toolbox, I guess, mm-hmm. his vocal toolbox. And um, so, yeah, it's um, it's kind of weird because there there were a few people that were like, oh, we dig the music, but man, I don't, they weren't as crazy about the vocals, and that's kind of a somewhat typical reaction with this style like this the extreme music with the harsh vocal you know but but yeah we're um i think i feel like the longer we're going and doing this we're getting better at mixing it up even you know as far as the genres and styles and what we do and i think another thing that makes it like not easier but we're just not a we don't really I don't know if it cares not the word, but we're we're not afraid to try different things. Yeah, you know, I feel like we're gonna like we'll cut it off if we think it sucks, <laughs> you know. 
Oh, I think, yeah. you know, if we, if we all agree on it, then I think it's going to be good. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're... Because yeah, like you said, we shoot down a lot of things. If it makes it through the gauntlet, yeah. <laughs> they're usually like, okay, we like this. Right. <laughs> yeah, we do. We Yeah, we're pretty picky. For those people who are very familiar with your music, what are some of the biggest differences between your previous albums and your latest release? Huh? I've, I've been a fan of theirs even long before I joined the band. And... They're one of those bands that if you listen to the most recent stuff and then you listen to the first stuff, they're not going to sound really too close to each other. But if you listen to them chronologically, uh, it makes sense. It's always been like a logical progression to the next album. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, we always want to advance to the next step. You know. Right. So there. Are... Yeah, I think we've done. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. That's fine. <laughs> I was just going to say I feel like we've done a really good job of of the the you know natural progression you know a lot of um i feel like a lot of bands that have longevity um do that and um i mean there's exceptions but you know acdc i guess but <laughs> i was literally just thinking that <laughs> <laughs> but i mean as much as i love acdc but um i kind of like the bond scott stuff but anyway um you know there, there are some bands that can get away with that and uh make it work but Personally, I like the, you know, as far as my personal tastes, I like bands that you, you can hear that they've gotten better as musicians, as writers, as, you know, arrangers, you know, whatever you want to call it. But I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that, but uh, I think you nailed it. Yeah. So when you are moving towards a new album, do you guys focus on certain mu musical elements? Like, say, for example, you're like, oh, I really liked uh, the incorporation of jazz or sludge here. Let's do more of that. Or is it just something that kind of naturally manifests itself? I think, like, a lot of it has to do with uh, what we're going through at the time or what we're feeling, uh, like, what we've been listening to. Like, uh, like I remember when that uh, Dark Throne album came out, Old Star. Like, I was listening to that, like, once a day. So I'm sure that that had something to do with some of the riffs I was writing at that time, and you know, or if I uh, that Dante song, the end of it, we were listening to. Gen I was listening to Genesis like a whole bunch, like old Genesis. So I'm sure that that leaked in there somewhere. It's just like what we're listening or what's in, in influencing our lives at the time usually in does the same to the music. Yeah, and you don't really even think about it. I don't. At least I don't feel like it's like conscious you know like i feel like it's more of a subliminal thing like we don't typically say oh we're gonna do this here or this there i think like mike was saying earlier we somebody starts something and then we kind of like what were you saying like you see we kind of see i like the music in a way it's kind of weird like i'm seeing this happen or like you know we'll, we'll have like many movies in our heads or you know when, when music's playing and like okay this part this is happening now this needs to happen write something that's gonna you know sound like somebody's yeah, running this through is the woods, how, yeah. you know or, like or whatever the, uh, we could talk about the song titles right oh yeah yeah the cryptid and the iron bird when i were when i was doing that i had like the whole story in my head so music was easier to was easy for me to write because i already knew saw the picture in my head you know so I just tried to write music that matched the picture. You know? I do notice that you guys uh, do that quite a bit. Like you've, you've changed a lot of lyrical content. And I want to touch on that a little bit later because I have some more detailed question, questions, I'd say. But it does seem like that you guys are trying to match the music to what you're talking about. And it's not 
I know we've covered this a million times already, but it's not just one style. Mm, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like um, the last couple records, we've almost, we'll have ideas in our heads about um, sometimes su subject matter or or whatever, like, oh, it'd be cool to write a song about this. It'd be cool to write a song about, you know, whatever subject. Mm -hmm. And then it's almost like we'll start there versus having riffs, you know? Mm -hmm. And, it, like, I've never written like that before, <laughs> you know? I, I think that's the first time I've ever, like, wrote songs that way. And it's... I think each album's been a different writing process. It has. Yeah, so we've learned something from every album. Every time, right. right. Yeah, it's funny. I've never thought of it. I've yeah, never even thought yeah, of all, that. All of them. They've all been a different process. Yep. Yeah, because the first album was like just total a band in a garage jamming. That was the first album. Um, Your Fault was, I think that was almost more like we were writing shows to play live. Or writing songs to play live. We played all those songs live before we even recorded them. And Necro Eclosion was more... Uh, that was weird. Our singer quit <laughs> right in the middle of that. Yeah, yeah. So we were kind of like scrambling. We all had to split up songs to finish writing. Mm. But it, it came out good. Yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Uh, our, our old drummer, Jay, <coughs> he had a lot to do with a lot of the writing on that one, too. Mm -hmm. yeah, he wrote a lot of the lyrics, and he did a fair amount of the vocals. And, um, yeah, because we already had the music written before Travis was um, even in the band. And so Travis just immediately started writing lyrics for stuff. And, and it was a lot of it. I felt like Necro Eclosion was kind of like one of those albums that was almost done on the fly or something. Yeah. You know, yeah I didn't we, know what the hell I was doing. Somehow <laughs> <it came> out. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that was kind of, yeah, it was more of a done on the fly record. And, and then this, the newest one I think was a little more deliberate for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, we had like very concise. Yeah, every song had an idea yeah. of where mm -hmm. it should get or what it should be about. Right. Yeah. 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 But, That's funny. I've never even thought about breaking it down like that. Even the uh, May, the, what's the Mayberry one? Slayberry. <laughs> I, well, I was watching Andy Griffith one day, and I was just like, the "Fucking people wouldn't leave him alone." He was trying to be on a date with this girl, and I just kept bugging him. And my brother was laughing, and I said, "I said, yeah, if he comes out there one more time, he's on bury him over there where he buried Gomer." And then that just kicked out, sparked me. I thought. You know, there should be an episode where Andy just loses it and kills all the idiots <laughs> in his life. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of, we talked about, we'd be in the van, like really long drives. And that's usually when we have ideas for songs come up. We usually oh, yeah. talk them out. And, mm. But we started talking about that. And Travis was like, man, we could write a song about that. How yeah. it's from <laughs> Opie's point or the kid's point of view. Cause like, he's the only survivor. He was over in Mount Pilot with <laughs> <laughs> He just had to spend the night at a friend's house when his dad killed everybody. <laughs> I like that you guys don't take one overarching narrative like approach. You guys focus on a variety of subjects and like it's kind mm -hmm. of all over the place. It's it's quite refreshing to be honest. Oh, nice. thank nice. you. That's, yeah. that's, that's kinda, really that's yeah, cool kinda, to hear. Honestly, like, we kind of want our lyrical content to step out a little bit. From, yeah. And I like that it sounds to me whenever uh, they have these ideas and they're like can you write lyrics about that? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll try. And, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I've said no to anything yet. Oh, you've done a good job, man. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It's always, man, it's always like, well, you know, I feel like we've really challenged each other on this record too. Like yeah. everybody challenged everybody. Even the Dante thing. I thought, how's he going to write this? 
Yeah. And we talked about it for hours. And he's like, I'm just going to write it from Dante's point of view mm-hmm. instead of like a story being told. Right. He's mm-hmm. going to talk about what he's thinking and what he's feeling instead. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a little the bit. The story's been told a million times. Yeah. So. It's a little different approach for sure. And that one's written in a first person's perspective, right? Is yes. It? Okay. Right. That is the song I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay. Actually, from the Necro Occlusion, or Occlusion album, one of the songs that stood out to me right away was Ghost Dance, and that's partly because my previous guest, Skagasoa of Black Braid, released a song called Barefoot Ghost Dance on Blood Soaked Soil, which I then discovered was in direct oh, reference uh, to Wounded Knee. So what compelled you to cover that specifically? Yeah. Well, um, I my grandma was half Cherokee. Okay. Uh, a lot of people are in this area have a lot of uh, Native American in them. And it's not like I celebrate that part of my life. I don't know much about that part of my heritage, which is bad on me. I should know more about that. But I just, the wounded knee, I mean, a lot of people really hate what happened to the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole history is like just terrible. And I don't remember what brought up the, what brought up wounded knee. But once we started talking about it, we knew that it can't be funny. Like, we're like, it has to be serious. We have to cross every T and dot every I. Like, we can't fuck anything up when it comes to that because people will call you out on it around right. here. Oh, They'll totally. be like, what's this shit, you know? Yeah. And so I, I, when we started writing it, our friend Jay had a, a friend who goes, she goes to powwows all the time. Yeah. And he let her listen to it. And he's like, we're just wondering, as like, is this safe to, like, you think people are going to take this the wrong way? Like, we have, it's, we, our hearts are in this. And we want to bring light to this. Like, more people should know about this. But are we doing the wrong thing? Are we glorifying it? And she was like, after she read the lyrics and heard the song, she said, no, that's, you guys did a good job. And I haven't heard any bad feedback on it. And At least not from natives. Yeah. I, think, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, the white, there's been some, like, kind of. Some far right wing people. There's been some far right people. We try to stay out of, we stay out of politics. Yeah, right? I mean, it's not meant to be a political song, but. It's just. Tell them what happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, there, there was a few people that thought we were being racist toward white people by writing that song, just because of a couple of instances in the lyrics where they say the white devil, white devil. But that was a quote. But that's yeah. 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 I mean, from a quote, it's, exactly. It's 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 from the natives' perspective, and that was the thinking at the time. And it's just like Mike said, it's a historical account, and you can't. You have to be accurate. We don't want to whitewash history. Or, exactly. You know, I hate to say whitewash, but paint over history. Right, you know I mean? exactly. Yeah. It's interesting that people would say that you're being racist against white people. Like, If they actually took any time to read it and consider what was being said, they would know that that's not even close to the case. And I don't know. Right, yeah. It just seems like anyone gets uh, has any reason to jump on somebody's back about something, even if it's well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, oh, yeah. the phone that they're complaining on they could look it up right in the same phone and get the whole history oh, of it yeah it's like dude you know, it's, it's like before dude. you open your mouth just read for like 15 minutes no and shit. then open your mouth right yeah 15 minutes is a long time for some people though yeah <laughs> that's, that's sad yeah, it that's is sad, sad dude they're probably yeah. watching tiktok oh right. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean other i mean there's I funny TikTok stuff sometimes. yeah i mean there's funny <laughs> stuff on there but it's not it's not the basis. It shouldn't be the basis of your beliefs. There's a lot of stuff that steals yeah. your brain cells. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like getting your news feed from Twitter. It's like 140 characters. It just yeah. doesn't do you, do you justice at all. Like, read some more. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah, people just, they don't want to research anything. Or if they do, it's <laughs> very misinformed or 
they only research one particular slant on something. Or, yeah. Well, I saw a story of like a movement of kids that are like using flip phones because they're tired of wasting their day on the damn smartphone. Oh, yeah. So they said a lot of kids are opting to using flip phones now because then a text is a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. And that's like they'd just rather just talk and get it over with real quick. And yeah, it forces them to. Yeah. Like specific. we used to be. You know? Yeah, you're just real specific now. I'll tell some guys at work, I go, when I was a kid, the phone rang and you didn't know who it was. I said, you just answered it and said, hello. hello. Yeah. <laughs> that's why it was a question. <laughs> who the fuck it was? Yeah, there's no caller ID. They're <laughs> like, fuck that. So Richie, you and Mike have been in the band together since the beginning, but you've also mentioned that you've been jamming together since about 97. So for you, what are some of the benefits, for you both, what are some of the benefits of having that long-term relationship with the bandmate and friend? And can you identify any of the challenges? yeah it's um i don't know it's so weird like mike and i don't like it's <laughs> we don't bicker yeah but if, um, if he plays something i don't like i'll say eh, and he doesn't he's just like i'll write another riff the same with me if oh, yeah. i write something that's, but usually i'm shooting it down before he even shoots it down because yeah, I'm, I'm super picky. Into it. <laughs> like, no, no, what are you doing with that? I'm like, no. Yeah, because the other day we were even doing this. He's like, eh, it sounds hokey. <laughs> so we just stopped. Yeah, just stopped playing. I'm just like, no, no. Yeah. And, and yeah, we, I mean, we just, we don't take things personal. We've been doing it for so long. And I feel like we're really good at, like, we don't really have to say much, you know? Like, you just, we just hear what each other's doing and then just, we just start playing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Michael lay down something and then I'll start playing something. He'll go, what are you doing there? And then that's how we write. I mean, it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of weird. You know, there'll be even times when I'll just be a lot of the times one or the other of us will be not fucking around, but we'll just be kind of messing around. And that's sometimes when the best shit happens. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of weird. And plus if we don't like, I mean, there are stuff that like, there's an old song of ours called reach around a Rambo. <laughs> Richie, Richie wrote that. And to me, it just goes on for so long. But I've told him that a million times, that I hate playing the song. I like listening to it. I don't like playing it. <laughs> you know? And so someone in a crowd would go, Richie Rambo. I'm like, Richie, you get frustrated with me sometimes. Like, why don't you want to do my song? You know, it's like, I told him, I don't like this. I don't like playing it. I like to listen to it. It's a three minute song. I hate fucking playing <laughs> It's a bitch. It's just, it's really hard to play. That, that song alone is why his forearms are so big. <laughs> Sometimes Richie writes these really long-winded riffs, you know? Yeah. They'll be like eight or 12 measures long. They'll be like, oh, that goes eight times. And you're like, the metal guy and the punk guy. <laughs> yeah, the metal guy and the punk guy trying to meet in the middle. Yeah, the punk middle. guy is like, okay, this, this part goes four times. No, this part should go 12 times. <laughs> no, four times. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, like, it, it is, it's an interesting, like, I don't know, dichotomy, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, and, but yeah, it's somehow we make it work, and we've been doing it for a long time, and it's funny thinking, thinking back on that, I mean, I've been playing music with Mike longer than I've been married, and had kids, and, you know, it's, it's kind of weird, man. Yeah, we've been stuck in a van eating SpaghettiOs, <laughs> sleeping on a hardwood floor, I mean, once you've done all that. It's kind of like nothing else can fuck it up, right? Yeah. Unless you just, (coughs) I am so sick of smelling your farts. (laughs) Mike, put your goddamn shoes back on. (laughs) That was James. Yeah, that was James. 
guys have a lot of different song lengths too. Like I was just looking here, and some of them are less than a minute. That's a very grindcore thing to do. But then on your latest album, you have a twenty-two minute song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It is. It's like a smorgasbord. Yeah, it's a musical smorgasbord. Right. Yeah, it's like we. That was kind of the thing about this new record. We weren't sure how the twenty-two minute song was going to go over, and it's. It seems like, at least so far, that people are enjoying it. So, so yeah, <laughs> we're, we're we're feeling some relief anyway. I mean, the album's not like released yet, but there's been a fair amount of people that have heard it that are you know, friends of ours, reviewers, you know, people we've done interviews with, and people at radio and stuff, and everybody seems to like really like it. So, and it's so. not like we're going to repeat. I mean, we had just months and months of time. Mm-hmm. That's why there's so many things going on in that song right i don't think we would sit down and do it again right you know unless someone gave us like millions of dollars. <laughs> you guys are gonna be the biggest prog metal band yeah like i, mean, I don't in know this county <laughs> yeah yeah jumping back to the beginning a little bit 97 was when you guys started jamming obviously you guys were a fan of heavier music at that point right yeah okay and then travis uh this is kind of gonna go for you as well so when did you guys start to get into heavier music and who were some of the bands that pulled you in um I think for me, like, gosh, it was probably my dad. I mean, he he was he was in the army in um, in in Germany in the early seventies, and so he listened to a lot of like Deep Purple and Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and stuff. And that that stuff really wasn't it wasn't really that big here. I guess you know we live in the middle of the country, so stuff doesn't doesn't reach us as fast as it does other places. Mm. And so, so yeah, that was probably that was probably what got me into it was like listening to my dad's records and sneaking in there and putting records on the turntable like Judas Priest and Rainbow and stuff like that and all good choices. Yeah, I mean, and then just getting into um, MTV, of course, and you know the stuff that was starting to come onto there. And um, I remember the first time I heard death metal was like I think the late '80s, and I think it was like Napalm Death or something, which I guess is not totally death metal, but. Um, and then I started playing guitar around that time too. So reading guitar magazines and and seeing like Morbid Angel and stuff like that in there, and I'm like, wow, who's that? And that was kind of how you discovered bands back then. Yeah. You know, there wasn't internet, and so thank you lists and album. Covers. Thank you lists and <laughs> albums. Yeah, I mean, you're like, oh, who's that? And you you or sometimes you get catalogs in the mail or whatever, you know. So so yeah, that was that was pretty much the only way. Or you'd have friends that would be listening to something on the school bus you know like the first suicidal tendencies record or or what or tape or whatever you know or dri and you know, stuff like that yeah i i was raised in a religious family and so my dad my parents didn't really listen to rock and roll or anything like that they'd kind of go to the top 40 sometimes uh but i had a so i my brother my older brother was into run dmc so i got into run dmc before i even got into heavy music and uh, then my I ended up being a great friend. Uh, met him named Jason Wofford, and he played me Dawkins. And so I started getting into. So I kind of went in, got into heavy music through hair metal. <laughs> then I went to the thrash, and then I went to the death metal. <laughs> Jason plays on a Grave Fuffer song, actually. Oh yeah, he does the solo on Worms of God. Yep. Oh cool. Yep. On your fault. Mm-hmm. To me, I was kind of like. Uh, I, was a, I was kind of a weird kid. I listened to movie soundtracks and Devo. 
and stuff like that. And then uh, breakdance music. And then uh, I heard the Ramones and the Sex Pistols. And I didn't. I, I thought they were cool, but it didn't really slap me in the face. And then when I heard the first Suicidal Tendencies album, that was really like, oh, wow, this is for me. That's when I really started digging for more hardcore music, you know. That was an awakening for me. I'm like, oh, there's a whole world I don't even know about. Right. It's out there, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, yeah, I remember hearing that. Uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was that, I think you know him, Danny Garrity. Yeah. He was, I was riding the bus with him, and he had you probably that, got that from me or Shane. Yeah, but. probably, yeah. Like, <laughs> small world, man. And, and I, he was playing that first Suicidal Tendencies on cassette on his ghetto blaster. <laughs> his jam box. His jam box. <laughs> and um, I remember thinking, like, whoa, what the hell is this? You know, and it was that, like, meat puppets. And, my God, there was all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So that was my intro to, to the punk really yeah i grew up on after i met jason and i grew up on headbangers ball and then 120 minutes oh yeah it's like i started getting into weirder music when i got in high school and all, all, what they called alternative music or whatever right. back then yeah when did you guys get into your respective instruments and travis for the record i consider vocals an instrument because that's the best way i can kind of explain it all right well yeah mine was like uh probably late 80s and i just remember i Asked my parents one year for a guitar and an amp for Christmas. And they said yes. <laughs> and they got me a, a Harmony Flying V. Nice. And uh, it had single coil pickups in it. And it was red. And I had this little tiny practice amp with like an eight-inch speaker. And it was like a rock town, I think is what it was called. <laughs> I don't even know. I've never seen one before or since. A Rocktron? Rocktown. There's an amp called Rocktron. Rocktron. Yeah, I remember those. Okay. Yeah, those, those were kind of expensive. But... Um, but yeah, that was my first get, get up, man. And then my parents started to, um, paying for lessons. I went to a guy here named Johnny Rose and, um, I think he still may even give lessons and, you know, he still plays guitar and plays in bands and he taught me a lot of cool stuff like outside like town guitar wizard. Man. Oh yeah, man. I mean, he taught me stuff like just outside of learning songs, you know, uh, I mean the guy knew theory and. I mean, he was a very, very integral part to my learning how to how to play music, really, more than just guitar. And I think more than anything, I learned how to play by ear from him. You know, because sometimes we just jam, you know. Imagine jamming with Johnny Rose. Uh, well, <laughs> I jammed with Joe Leiter for a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like... I was, like, way out of my league. <laughs> yeah, just <clears throat> same here. I'm like, holy shit, you know. And sometimes he'd get on the piano and, or the keyboard and start playing shit, or bass, or... It was crazy, but so yeah, it was um, it, it was pretty cool. It was like when did you start playing, Mike? Wasn't it late eighties? Eighty six. Eighty six. Eighty six. I went to visit a friend. I used to carry around a little tape recorder, and I record weird stuff all the time, like things I liked in movies or weird, stupid farts and belches. Yeah, I remember I did that too. And yeah. so I always had this tape recorder with me. Yeah. And when I went to Tulsa to see a friend. He was playing guitar, and I was like, oh, this is cool, because I hadn't actually met anybody that played guitar. I was like 16 years old, something like that. Yeah. And he's like, oh, man, I just started playing guitar, and I'm already in a band. And I said, cool, play some guitar for me. And I recorded, like, a bunch of songs that he knew. That Brad? Yeah. Okay. And uh, he starts telling me how easy it is, because I'd always thought guitar is, like, this mysterious, like, thing that you had to be, like, study it and... You see people playing chords and stuff, and you're like, whoa, how do they get their hand to do that? You know, like, yeah. So I thought it was this mysterious thing. And then I had Brad telling me 
I see him sitting there playing, he's just playing power chords. He's writing songs. So he's like, it's super easy, man. You can do it. I was like, well, my brother has a bass at home in the closet. And so I, when I came home, I grabbed the bass out. And he's like, told me, don't try to learn any songs. Just try to write them yourself. It's easier that way. And that's how I started out. I just yeah. started writing songs. Yeah. Because I was like, this is either easier than trying to learn one. Yeah, you know? dude, it's like, you know what you like. I mean, you just stumble upon what you like. Yeah. Uh, there are terrible songs. Gotta start somewhere. But, man, I mean, you get, you, you discover, a, like, what rhythm is and how it affects you and yeah it's kind of cool that was cool yeah because yeah. i was like a skateboard kid so i kind of i had already been listening to that music for a while mm-hmm. i kind of knew oh, i was supposed to sound like this it's supposed to go like this you know? right yeah yeah um i grew up kind of singing as a kid like in church and stuff and i had a musical dad he sang and played clarinet and oh really he played piano but didn't know how to read music he played piano totally by ear yeah, i don't think i knew and, that. uh he didn't yeah but i didn't have much singing outside church then i got into rock and roll and everything and i quit singing i thought man that's not cool so like i went a long time <laughs> without singing and everything because i i don't know i this is actually the first band that i've sang in I like was always playing like guitar or keyboard or something and all the other music I've done. Who sang in HRB? James. James. Okay. Yeah, James sang. I did. Well, I sang some, but like I've done some like background stuff. But I always sing at home, and I even started. I was even sang heavy when I was younger, and I always liked uh, Kevin Sharp from Brutal Truth was like my my favorite, and Mike Mike Patton. I love Mike Patton, and uh, yeah. And I, I kind of got in, before I got into death, death metal, the first thing I heard that had the growling vocals was Sepultura. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then like the second band that was like that, I heard Morbid Angel, which is more death metal, but. Yeah. And she started on a good, good yeah. side. Yeah. Yeah. No joke. yeah. And yeah, but then I didn't sing for a long time. But then I had changes in my life that made me available about the same time that they really needed a singer. And so I actually committed to it before I knew if I could do it or not. Yeah, it was pretty wild. And yeah, we just signed the yeah. contract that day. Yeah. yeah. The contract like that day Duma? we electronically signed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was when we signed the Black Duma, and we just signed a contract that day. Then James quits like an hour later. Oh, shit. Yeah. That was so weird. Yeah. yeah. And we were, he's quit. He, tried, he tried singing a vocal part like twice. Then he comes out of the vocal booth, and he's like, guys, I got to have a serious talk. I can't do this anymore. Or like. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Why'd you sign the fucking contract? Yeah, yeah, it was so weird. Do you mind if I ask why he ended up leaving the band, or is that something you'd rather not have on here? I think oh, no. he was kind of checking out. And he, mm-hmm. he was. Yeah, he's, he, he was... does stand up comedy now. Okay. I think mm-hmm. that's where his heart is. You yeah, know? that's fair. He, he, I think it's too much work if you're not hundred percent into it because it's a lot of hard work. You have to be into it. Yeah, you have to be passionate about it. if if you're interested or elsewhere, you're not going to do the band or the listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, and I think he knew that. Yeah, there's like we'd be riding in van for. I mean, we have some long drives. He would just put headphones on and check out. Mm-hmm. The rest of us are having a great time, laughing, oh, carrying yeah. on. Right. Yeah. Just... And he would just be. He'd look at say, right, James or whatever, and he would just be watching a movie or. He kind of like checked out for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wrote really good lyrics, you know. Yeah. There's no hard feelings at all. Whenever. Oh, no. Sometimes we play uh, locally at the place where he works, and he'll jump up on stage and do a couple of songs with us. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he took a long time to make that decision, so he'd been wrestling with that for a while. 
think so. Actually, yeah. Like, none of us got like We didn't yell or scream. There was no big fight or anything. No. You know? I mean, we're like, family comes first. That's always been our number one rule. Totally. Like, there's no questions asked. If it's something to do with the family, no one says a word, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I just messaged Richie. He's like, can I, I'd like to try out for Grave Huffer. Because, like, Sunday was last time you're trying somebody out. And uh, so in three days, I, like, tried to learn, like, three songs. And I hadn't sang heavy in, like, 15 years. (laughs) So I blew the hell out of my my voice. (laughs) And it was gnarly. It was bad. I just They just were so desperate. Somebody had to do it. (laughs) It Honestly, how I got the job. We came up with a bunch of notes. He had taken a bunch. he He wrote down the lyrics, and he took a bunch of notes. So that told me, okay, this guy's serious, or he's pretty serious. Right. So was that in and around the time of COVID then, or was that just before? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was right before. COVID. It was yeah. during COVID. Okay. Yeah. The, it was like, well, yeah, I guess it was right before everything. Right at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Right at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. It was like a couple months or something. Before. It was really wild, because I was like... I was probably obsessed. Did you play that show? No, yeah. that was later. That was later. That was later. Oh, okay. This, this was like this we had is, to get up canceling shows because of it. yeah, this is when everything shut down. That yeah. was the next year. Okay. Uh, but it was weird because I had they decided on me, and then two weeks later was the first set of shows. Oh yeah, and, like four of them. And I didn't know the lyrics. Yeah. And didn't really know what I was doing at all. I forgot about that. Uh, but those shows all got canceled, so I did, didn't have a chance to make a fool of myself. <laughs> we were throwing into the line. Yeah, man. dude. But that, that, honestly, though, I was so nervous about it. Yeah. About everything, because like it was kind of like I hadn't made a decision like that in a long time. Uh, you know, just like damn, it, I'm gonna do something because I think it's fun. You know. Right. And uh, threw myself into it, and I think the fact that it I, it was moving like that, and I'm like. It helped me. If I would have had time to sit back and think about it, I would have psyched myself out too much. Right. Yeah. We're on a pretty uh, fast train sometimes. Yeah, because <laughs> the album was already had a deadline, and then they're changing vocalists. <laughs> yeah, that was. You guys had to deal with a lot at one time. First, you're you sign the record contract, then your vocalist quits, then you have another vocalist who's trying to learn uh, not only his vocals again but the lyrics, and then COVID fucking hits. So that's a lot of shit to deal with at one time. How did you deal with it? Yeah, right in the middle of recording a record. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, it's weird. I it's like I don't even think of that stuff. But it did help us it, finish the record though, because since we couldn't play shows, <clears> oh we yeah, recorded. we weren't gear around. Right. Yeah, it was yeah. weird. We it's different how we did it because we'd have like it was a different house and the studio room was really big. Everybody had their own microphone for the year. Like nobody touched each other's stuff. Right. And. Uh, We'd set our microphones like now we start right. far, far, <laughs> really far, 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 and there'd always yeah. it's like we had to record like one person come and record with Mike at a time, yeah, uh, so keep the distance and all that, and uh, but it was weird, but dealing with it the way we did kind of helped us as a band and helped me definitely as a vocalist because I could take a breath and just treat each song as a, a learning experience one at a time instead of like. Okay, this song. Yeah, yeah this, this song. song. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. I, we got to take our time, and I got to, like, mess with my technique a little bit and get right. comfortable with the studio and being in the studio and stuff like that. Hey, so it was all new to you, pretty much. Every, yeah, yeah, it was all brand new to me. Yeah. And then you're put under the microscope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, welcome to the band now. Now yeah. you're going to record. I joined, hey, a, I joined oh. a band that's already, like, going good, you know? And, yeah. And it's like, oh, man, yeah. How did you guys get linked up with Black Doomba? Um, 
think. Well, I feel like I feel like we actually had tried to sign with them one other time, and Tommy initially told us no, and I can't remember. Was that for your fault? I think so. Yeah, I think so. And so we've actually have known Tommy for a little while now. Um, he was like, oh, I just want to keep it at like just do me stuff. And I don't know what it was. I don't know what he ended up initially, why he initially changed his mind. He never really did say, but he just decided to, to take a, the chance on us. And um, I guess he just changed his mind about his um, direction for his label. And because now he's got more, not just strictly stone or doom stuff. You know, he's got more, you know, he's got a few thrash, thrashy bands and he was on Hollow's Eve. And so he, he does that stuff occasionally. And um, so, yeah, he just had kind of a, he just decided to change it up a little bit. And I guess we were his guinea pig <laughs> as far as, you know, branching out into a slightly different direction for the label. I feel like he's, um, you know, I feel like he feels like he made the right decision, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, that's definitely good. And this is your second release through Black Doomba, right? Correct, okay. yeah. Do you guys have a long-standing contract, or is it done on an album-by-album album basis? It's album-by-album. Album. Okay. I don't know much about this side of things. So do you have to approach them when you're getting an album ready and then kind of, like, ask to renew the contract? Or is this something that they're like, hey, we like what you did last time, let's do another one? Sometimes it happens both ways. Yeah, sometimes it happens both ways, yeah. Yeah, it's just sometimes the label will say, "Hey, we want to do another record." Are you guys, you know, they'll just flat out ask, "Hey, you guys want to do another record with us?" Or the band's like, "Hey, we want to, you know, want to do another record with the label." You know, it it, it just it's happened both ways. So, but I think this last one, Tommy was the one that broached the subject of, "Hey, I want to renew you guys for a a new record." Also, taking a chance paid off for him then. Yeah. I'm assuming so. <laughs> I think it will. Yeah. It's nice that it's more reciprocal like that. It seems like you guys are both approaching each other rather than the record label being like, hey, we need this done by this time, so hurry up or fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he ha he yeah. has deadlines, but they're reasonable. Mm. And uh, he he would rather us put out a quality product than to rush it. Any so. Right. He did, he gives us friendly reminders, but he gives them to us like way ahead of time, and always just something. It's always something that kind of just nudges. us. It's never like him being a task. Well, remember, guys, dates coming up in four weeks. I remember, guys, yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For your, you know, just, 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 just for your information, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah, it's there's never any like. I don't think the guy's got a mean bone in his body. No, he's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's just a real sweet guy, and yeah. but at the same time, he's very like knowledgeable about you know the music business so to speak you know he was on metal blade records and and he, he so he, he kind of knows what he's doing and he's toured the world and you know he he's, he's been there done that. He's, yeah he really has and so we definitely appreciate him and we trust his judgment yeah and he's uh, he uh he's as helpful as somebody can be but he doesn't he still leaves everything up to to us like he makes suggestions but Oh yeah, he 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 trusts our he trusts us when we want to do what we want to do. Yeah, he's never said like, "Hey, you guys need to do this or that type of music." I mean, no. it's we're we're a hundred percent free to do what we want. You know, I mean, even artwork wise, we right. told him we handle that. That blew his mind. He's like, "Most bands just give me a CD and let me take care of everything." I was like, "That's crazy, right?" Because <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> the artwork is a 
Yeah. Yeah. The art yeah, was part of the whole thing. You know, we, we just, we want to be in, in control of all that stuff. And I think Tommy's more than happy to let us do our part. And, you know, we had, we would just rather do it ourselves and we enjoy the process, honestly. So speaking of your artwork, I was really interested in it because it's something that I've not really seen before. So when you guys sent this in, what was the original framework for it? Like, what was your inspiration to begin with, I guess? My friend, Eric Sweet did that. Okay. And, uh, we taught, we this Dante has been rearing its head throughout all the years. We just never could figure out how to do it. And, but this time we're like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. And we did it. And so I talked to my, uh, this guy's done a lot of stuff for us. And I told, you know, he's from Italy he knows the story very well. And so he started doing concept art. He probably sent us about 30 paintings that he had started on. And they're all like in, you know, the second or third stage of painting. He's like, which one of these grab is the idea you're thinking? And I remember seeing the one I liked, and the one for the front and one for the back. And then I showed him the uh, Travis. I think was next, or maybe Richie, one of the two. Mm-hmm. But they, he picked the exact same two that I picked out of like thirty paintings, and Travis picked the exact same two that I picked out of thirty paintings because <laughs> the other paintings were more literal to Dante's Inferno. Like when you looked at them, and if you knew the like oh that's this part right mm-hmm. but this part, part i don't think it is in the book like if you read the book mm. that the cover you're not gonna think oh that's this part right yeah yeah because there's no ver- you know it's, it's not virgil yes yeah, specific <laughs> i guess you know? yeah and you don't know that's dante right. standing there unless you know the story of things happening you know yeah. right but when you see the art it looks like him looking at paradise and so i was like oh fuck it's got to be that one right you know? yeah mm-hmm. And even Eric was like, "This the one you want?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Okay." Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were all like, <laughs> we all were 100 percent agreement. Like, that's the one. Because they're like, I don't know if people are gonna like it, you know? Because we always have some kind of weird. Like, Eric usually does our art. He doesn't do. Well, he's done the last three like, albums. Bloody skulls, and, you know, or whatever. You know, like I did, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, he uh, he has his own style, and it's always like super interpretive, and he won't tell you. Like I've known him since. 93 probably mm-hmm. and he won't ever tell me what the painting means i'll say well i think it means this and i look at him and he's like oh cool <laughs> yeah he won't, <laughs> he won't ever, ever he will say never, a word man. he never never he won't explain ever. anything no. i like that it leaves it up to the the viewer i guess yeah he yeah. said that's what he likes he's like i like hearing what, what everybody else sees mm-hmm. right, right? Well, and with this new album cover, it takes a little bit to figure it out. Like, at first, it looks like a spattering of color and then the dark in the middle. But once you actually take a look and zoom in, it uh, obviously I haven't got, like, a physical copy. But zooming in, you can actually see the image, and it takes a little bit to pick out some of that detail. I like that. Very abstract. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the yeah. light part of it is what you catch last. And you're like, oh, that's the main focal. Or to mm-hmm. me, it is. But Eric keeps telling me. He goes, man, if you look in the black, he goes, you're missing something. He goes, I will tell you that you're missing something in the blackness. But I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> he keeps telling me I'm missing it. Yeah. And so I don't know. There's something in that blackness that I'm missing. He won't tell me what it is. I think it's So cool. somebody figures it out. Let me know. <laughs> I just I think it's cool that there's stuff like that out there that just makes you question things even more. Is you know the black? I mean? And that, that's kind of like the best art to me. You know, is he stepping out of his own blackness? Is that like the former 
It looks like the per well, a person that watches there to me. I've had people. Yeah, I thought it was a tree. Yeah, I might be stepping out of his own blackness. That might be like his old cocoon and his like. Yeah, we're sitting here looking at. We just got um, our copies of the CD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're looking at the cover going, what is that? We've probably looked at it a thousand times. We're still like. Yeah. That's what I thought. Man, if I was a 17 year old stoner kid, little Hesher kid. <laughs> I saw this album, I'd buy it, because I'm like, yeah, I'm going to listen to this and check this cover out, you know? Right. I mean, you just get lost in it, and, you know, and just you just ask are more questions. Things, are those, like, lost souls crawling up there? It like, could be. I don't know. That's what's cool about it. It can be whatever. It can, yeah, it's just whatever. Whatever's yeah. on your mind at the time. That's know? how good art lasts so long, is that yeah. there's so many different interpretations of it. Yeah. It's like, no, that's not what that is. How's but we love, Leah, if you can't tell, we love his art. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think we counted up the other day. This is, like, the... What's the third album cover? This is the thirteenth thing that he's done for me. Really? Wow. Over all the years that I've been doing projects, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, this is the thirteenth album cover that he's done. Man. I was like, wild. I've done thirteen fucking albums. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. He's like, that's just the ones I did. That doesn't count the ones I remember people other people did. Yeah. All right. Fuck. I know it's crazy. Yeah, because he didn't and yeah. He did an initial detonation. Yeah, Squirm cover. Encrusted. Yeah. Every band I've been in, he's done a cover for it. Right. I feel like the grape effort stuff's a little more. It's more like, of his painting. And yeah, it's more ab like abstract, but it's, it's it's more of a. I liked your fault, but it's hard to tell what was going on unless you knew. Yeah. That that was a kid on a whale. Whale. Yeah. You know, right. a lot of people are like, "Oh, it's a kid on a hill." Like, well, that's a whale. Right. You see the eye. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, yeah. It's and then it's the destroyed. Yeah, you, know, you can see the wire. Well, I guess the not the White House, but. Capitalism the capital, being destroyed. The capital building, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that was Do you guys ever use him for merch art as well? I think we're going to try to do a shirt with this on it because the guy that does our shirts, he's an old band member of ours too. And uh, he's, I guess he told Richie he's super excited to do this cover. I guess he's figured out because he does screen printing and like it's probably, it'll look way better than a transfer. Right. But he's super excited to do it because he said he's got a way to. Make it so it won't cost us a freaking arm and a leg to have 12 or 15 color shirt, you know? He said it was going to be eight. Eight colors? Yeah. Yeah, he told me it was going to be eight. Co it was going to be an eight color print. And, dude, he, like, sent me this link and all this stuff. And, yeah, he, he was into He's it. into it already? Yeah, he's already into it. So what, that's exciting to me, man. When, when, when people get excited about it, you know? That just means there's more, like, um, enthusiasm and passion for it. And, you know, it just... It kind of goes back to the same conversation as being a band member. You have to be passionate about your, your work or else it's just going to, it's going right. to show in what you put out. Yeah. Yeah. And having his name, Steve, having him, um, print up our merch and stuff. And, you know, it's always top notch and everybody is always like, man, you guys, the shirts and your art and everything and to do with the presentation of the band is, is top notch. And, and we're happy and proud of that. So and Tommy too, like, yeah, he takes like, when we do vinyl, he's like, oh, I want it to be, it's got to be these colors that go with the cover, you know? He's oh, like, yeah. he's real good at, like, coming up with vinyl colors and mm. packages and stuff. Yeah, he's like a, like a big idea guy, yeah. I guess. So for, I don't know if I'm working that right, but, because this new record, like, the vinyl, I think there's going to be, like, three colors or something. Yeah, three colors. Yeah, yeah he's going to do three different variants, and, um... I can't even remember them now. Oh, it's for each piece of uh, for each piece of Dante. Dante. It's right. like going to be like an inferno color, a purgatory color, and a paradise color. That'll be cool. Yeah, yeah. I like that <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I think the purgatory stuff is going to be one eighty gram black. Black, like yeah, like the audiophile black. Right. Yeah. 
you guys have a lot of really cool merch ideas. So you guys have had like face mask, beard oil, and now partnering with Grindcore Coffee. So I have a couple questions in here, but what made you go with beard oil? Well, um, yeah, <laughs> the beard oil thing was, um, I can't remember where I saw that. I think I saw a cannibal corpse at it mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, that's kind of interesting. And I use, I've used beard products. And so, um, I figure, eh, I'll, I'll hit these people up and sure enough, it's the same people that made the cannibal corpse beard oil mm-hmm. made ours. And, um, real nice lady, her name's Janet and she's, um, I think from New Orleans maybe. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like racking my brain, like, what are we going to call this? And then I was looking through songs. I'm like, Demon Face. <laughs> That's fucking perfect. Yeah. That's so, like, cheesy kind of, but it fits, you know? And um, so, yeah, that was that was what we went with. And um, she had me, like, pick out these different scents. And it was, like, bourbon, bourbon or whiskey, vanilla bourbon, and something else. And, um, yeah, it actually sold surprisingly well. I figured people would laugh about it or whatever. Which I was laughing about. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm still giving a shit right now. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean, like, no, no laughing's fine. I, I, I mean, like, make fun of us, I guess, more or less. Which, whatever, that, I don't even care. But um, I was just surprised that people were genuinely like, well, "This is like good stuff." Like buying it. Yeah, yeah I was know? kind of surprised too. I was like, "He's gonna be stuck with the case of that stuff." Right. He's like, "Oh, it's all gone." I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> right. Yeah. And like. <laughs> You had people messaging me like, "Hey, I want two bottles of that." And you got a lot of people walking around with the demon face. Walking around with that demon <laughs> face. But, so yeah, I mean, and I think it just helps that it's it's quality stuff, and you know, having the name tie in is cheeky and fun, you know. And it's like we don't ever take ourselves yeah, super serious, I, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. Like some yeah. of our songs, like that Slayberry. Yeah, it kind of yeah. lets you know that we don't take ourselves serious, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, some songs we do. Right. Like, it gets the point across. If you look at the lyrics, you're like, oh, yeah. That's they mean shit. business on this yeah. shit. You know? mm-hmm. But other songs, you go, oh, these guys are kind of cheeky. Right. Yeah. yeah. And like Mike was said earlier, like, it's how we how we feel at the time, you know? Like, that goes into the song. And so and it goes into, like, the coffee and the beard oil. And, you know, some stuff is like, oh, that's fun. And some stuff's like, that's badass. You know, like, there's a time and place for everything, I guess. I agree completely. Gentlemen, my last question for you tonight is currently who are your, some of your favorite bands? Currently. Oh, geez. I'm a bad guy to ask. I don't, <laughs> I don't keep up. I'm like, there's so much old music to get in. There's so much new music. That's old music too. Yeah. But it's there's like, so many old bands that are putting out new albums right now. Yeah, like I was thinking, yeah. Dark like Throne, yeah. Voivod. I'm like, this is bands I would have said in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm in, and the stuff they're yeah. putting out now is like yeah. blowing people away. <laughs> we're all into so many different types of music, right. too. That, yeah. I mean, I'm a, I like jazz, and I'm a big Faith No More and like Mr. Bungle fan, and I love Frank Zappa. I listen to a lot yeah. of African high life music. I like Tony Allen, uh, William Onyabor, CK Man, you know. We've been playing with some badass bands like Casket Robbery and Summoner's Circle. Yeah, I think that's a lot of the things. Like as far as newer bands, a lot of it is stuff like bands we play with. Like that's usually what I get into because it's yeah. more underground stuff, and it's usually better mm-hmm. than stuff. That's... Yeah, we've been meeting some pretty cool people, man. Yeah, honestly. Um, heck, my my oldest kid gets me into some crazy stuff. Like he's been getting me into this Icelandic prog band. You know, <laughs> it's oh. like it's amazing. It's so good. I can't. I can't pronounce the band name, but it's they're just unreal. Um, Season of Mist puts their stuff out. They they do our yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. our shirts and stuff. 
but um but yeah i, I learned all kinds of stuff from him but, but um lately what have you guys been listening to lately satiricon i'm almost always listening to satiricon yeah of one form or another they're another band that you can pick a different mood and pick a different album yeah uh gosh and uh tangerine dream yeah there's always new tangerine dream to hear just because they have like over 100 albums <laughs> God. Yeah. yeah and so there's a, there's still a lot i haven't heard <laughs> i was listening to some david bowie yesterday and he i swear like he has like cool eras like he's got all these cool eras to mm-hmm. him. Oh, i love david bowie yeah I was listening to some Devin Townsend earlier today, and I listened to some Genesis mm, yesterday. Genesis, yeah. um, I listened to a little bit of everything too. Um, skinny I mean, Puppy, I like Skinny Puppy. Oh yeah, I've been listening to Skinny Puppy. I've been listening to Trevor Dunn's film music. He's the bass player for Mr. Bungle, and plays bass in a whole lot of John Zorn projects. Yeah, John Zorn's one of my favorites all time. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> Travis like, loves him. So it's still hard to listen to. Man. <laughs> There's something I mean, different. Yeah. I think it just depends on what it is. What's that? Exit 13 or whatever is that? That's not him. That's not him. That's not him. Exit 13's like Naked City. Naked City. Yeah, that's Naked not. He's, he's like gone. Just he's jazz now. He's like jazz yeah. and film music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is old. Yeah. Naked City stuff. That's just the stuff that's hard for me to listen to. Yeah, yeah, but he's so prolific. I'll never hear it all because he's put constantly putting out albums. He puts out multiple albums a month, like nonstop. Damn. Yeah. It's a 13, but yeah, they're, uh, that's like Danny Loker and God, who knows in that band, but it's, it's like these like, I had on a seven inch. I oh yeah. Remember. It was the first drummer from Brutal Truth and Danny Loker. And then the singer was the head of, uh, of, uh, of Relapse. Relapse. But I don't know who the guitars came from. Oh yeah. It's like, what's a Bill? It was some grindy shit. Bill's was or crazy. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. And it'd stop and have like clean guitar oh, and some, yeah. and they have a kind of a bungle feel to it. Yeah, it was music. It was, it was pretty wild. And then they had a, a jazz album, or they did cover jail jazz. Those old jazz covers about smoking weed. Yeah, they called the smoking songs. So yeah, kind of, yeah. I had them on a seven inch. It had seventy two songs. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, they're on that seven inch, dude. Man, how do you pick them? That's out? the first time I got. It was like, <laughs> that was like all the songs have to be like three seconds long. Oh, dude, the, the, on one of my friends was like, "Can you tape that off for me?" I was like, "You can write it down." <laughs> <laughs> Writing that shit down. Never take it off for you. <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah, it was called Blee Arg or Arg or yeah. the Beach Shits. I had a whole bunch. I think Brother Inferior was on one of them. Oh shit! Yeah. Nice. You guys played with them, didn't you? Yeah, yeah they're from Tulsa. A bunch of times. Oh man, we appreciate your time. <laughs> I appreciate yeah, it. Kind of that's so, a that's a when you ask somebody about their music, us about our musical taste, it's gonna be ridiculous. <laughs> you have to cut us off at yeah. some point. <laughs> No, I like it. That it gives me a lot to listen to. So this is perfect. Um, gentlemen, thank you again for joining me today. And I appreciate your time. And uh, I look forward to listening to the new album. Thank you, man. Awesome. Thanks thank you so much. much. Thank you for tuning in. And we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.